All right, man, welcome back. We are in week three and we were talking about limiting beliefs. Uh, we're going to continue on this uh, topic here uh, before we get into how to really conquer, smash, and overcome these things. Uh, we are going to thoroughly define some more limiting beliefs just so you can identify some that might be taking place in your life. Now, I like to first say this is no exhausted list. To have an exhausted list would just be uh, time after time after time and time would go on and it would be hours and hours and hours of material uh, because the lies really have no end, right? And so I'm giving you kind of a basic overround, some that I've seen in my life, some that I've seen in the life of others. And so we can kind of really see uh, how these limiting beliefs kind of play out inside of our lives. So limiting beliefs about God. There's so many, uh, so many that we can talk about. Uh, well, we're going to talk about five uh, maybe uh, during this uh, session here. But what we believe about God affects our behavior. And whatever we, we see or believe that he does, we have the freedom to do the same. And that is if God's out there uh, judging people, condemning people, and causing them a lot of pain and causing their children to die to teach them lessons and all these different things, uh, we're okay to behave in the same manner. And so it's really important to get an accurate, detailed uh, description of who God is and uh, his characteristics and attributes and stuff like that. Uh, so that being said, uh, we have certain limiting beliefs concerning God and they affect, um, they affect our lives in a great way. Now, one of the first ones that I can think of is that God won't give me more than I can handle. <laughs> we have a lot of people say that, you know what, God uh, won't give me more than I can handle. Uh, and there is a scripture about temptation, uh, about him making a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Um, so I get that that mentality. But the reality is, is that there's many things that, uh, that come into our life that we really are not equipped with the uh, talent, skills, and resources to handle, right? Uh, I navigated myself into addiction uh, because I didn't have uh, the coping skills and the ability to handle certain things. So that being said, that life experiences, uh, they sometimes bring you more than you can handle. And that is you look at the, what you're facing and you're like, I don't really have what it takes to face this. Um, I need God in my life. I need him to direct me. I need his empowerment. I need all these things. So within this conversation of, of facing things that uh, are, are kind of unmanageable or difficult or that we don't particularly have the skills to handle, I believe uh, that these things kind of uh, draw us to get those talent, skills, and resources. And that is, uh, it identifies my needs, and I recognize that uh, uh, what I need, and that I have uh, deficiencies in some areas of my life, and that I need to uh, be thoroughly equipped to face what I'm facing. And this, of course, uh, drives me into the arms of the Spirit uh, to seek comfort, strength, and empowerment. So I find that to be super, super important. So uh, that lie can set us up for a false belief that we're not going to face anything that we can't handle. And the reality is, is that in life, uh, we're going to face multiple different scenarios. They're going to seem very overwhelming, and we may not have the ability to cope. And we need the Spirit of God to begin to operate inside of our life. God wants to control my life, and or God is in control of everything. 
Now, I find this to be one of the, the biggest detrimental beliefs that I see inside of Christian men. It goes along with what we talked about yesterday about K and that is whatever will be will be and I'm going to put my life into the hands of fate and if it, if it is God's will that it will happen if it's not then it won't um, but Jesus gave us a different uh, mentality to live by and that is seek and you shall find knock and, and it will be answered unto you and the real terminology in that is that you would seek and that you would keep on seeking and that you would knock and that you would keep on knocking okay and this is a very proactive manner this is not a manner of sitting by and not desiring anything or, or just sitting by and waiting for it to be delivered into your lap. This is an active stance of desire building up inside of us in the active pursuit of the things that, uh, that God wants to begin to happen inside of our life. And so this is no passive, uh, this is no passive spiritual life. Everything uh, inside of God requ uh, requires activity, uh, it requires uh, momentum, and it requires us to really uh, get up and operate in faith and begin to influence and begin to control the things that we can control. Now when I try to wrap my head around this lie about God is in control of everything, you know, I think about the, the little babies that are being molested. And, uh, you know, I've worked inside of a treatment center for, for a decade. I've read so many court cases. Uh, I've read uh, so many files uh, on cases and clients and stuff. And it really gets you acquainted with the depravity of, of mankind, okay? And you begin to see the, the scenarios and the situations and you think, man, how can somebody do this? Like, what are you thinking? And so you get really in touch with depravity, but you also get in touch with a, a sense of reality, okay? And understanding that, you know, as a divine being of love, if he was in control of that and he was actually uh, orchestrating the perpetrator to do such things upon innocent victims, uh, there would be something definitely wrong with that sort of deity, right? that he would actually uh, guide the perpetrator to execute some acts on innocent victims, right? And so through this really uh, life experience, I have come to the reality of that God is not in control of everything as we think of, okay? And that is these uh, uh, the details and these minor things that begin to happen in people's lives. It can be of God or it can be of another influence. And we have to understand this, you know, to our core that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So there is two influences and there's two agendas that are taking place in this world today. And to say, you know, to attribute uh, what God does to what the enemy does and what he's, he's pulling the strings and he's having these perpetrators uh, influencing them to victimize people and he's really influencing their mind and guiding them to do that to put that uh, controlling factor on God that he's the one actually uh, influencing and controlling these perpetrators behaviors it, it's ludicrous it's insane and so I think this is the number one limiting belief that men need to really exit out of and say, you know what, there, there could be multiple different influences to this situation. And that not everything that happens in my life is God's will, right? 
and there are things that have come upon me that are human will. Uh, there are th things that have come upon me that is the enemy's will and all these different things. And I really need to understand what is taking place and begin to seek the will of God in the situation. Listen to the spirit of God so his will can begin to manifest inside of my life. Okay. And so that is coming out of the mindset of that God is in control of everything. Okay. This goes back to whatever will be will be. And that's just just crazy, crazy, crazy thinking. The next one, uh, you are not forgiven or you have committed the unforgivable sin. Now, I find this a lot inside of men. Uh, you know, they've been raised in church. They've uh, fallen away, as, as they say, and that they have uh, not followed Christ and they followed the flesh and, and sins and perversions and, uh, and just followed their impulses and all of these different stuff, right? And so within that, there comes uh, certain belief systems that they grab a hold of. And that is, you know, I'm unforgiven or I've committed the unforgivable sin uh, that I've said a, a word against the Holy Spirit. And somehow, you know, I'm condemned. Uh, there's this idea of having a reprobate mind. And that's what the uh, Christian men believe that they have, that they've, they've, they've sinned and they're ashamed and they don't like what they're becoming so now they say i have a reprobate mind and it's a limiting belief because they take possession of these things and they call it theirs right and so it's hard to get out of that that limiting belief it's like no you don't have a reprobate mind uh, you're doing some things that you're ashamed of uh, because you have the mind of christ about this sin it is it is bugging you and so that is supposed to prod you and motivate you to, to different actions that are going to get you different results. But having a reprobate mind, uh, that, that is something far different. And that brings us into a fixed mindset of condemnedness. And that means that we can begin to accuse ourselves, condemn ourselves, begin to beat ourselves up, and all of these things that we do. Okay. There's no growth and expansion when somebody believes that they have committed the unforgivable sin. I mean, there's there's really nothing left to do except prepare for hell, right? I don't know about you, but if I thought I committed the unforgivable sin and there's no way for me to go to heaven, then I would begin to uh, second guess, you know, my life's pursuit and what I'm doing with my life and all of these different things that would cause me to be filled with shame and I would condemn myself and I would have all these negative behaviors that are attached to this belief. Uh, this is why I think it's really important to smash these and begin to destroy these. Because if we have in the back of our mind uh, that we should question our salvation, we should, we should really uh, question whether we are saved or not, whether we are his child, and all of these things, we, we are actually doubting everything that God said about us. That we are his child and that we are forgiven and that we are free and all of these things. These are the truths. Uh, that once we begin to affirm them, they begin to manifest in our life and we begin to walk in this freedom. We begin to walk in sonship and we come out of this orphan. That's what I call it. We come out of this orphan mentality. And it's the whoop dog syndrome, right? You know, a dog that has been abused, they're all like shaky and they're leery, they're they're insecure and they're fearful. And, and um, that's the way we behave with God. We come to him like a whoop dog and we're scared and we're fearful and we run from him and we don't run and jump into his lap and all of these different things and the bottom line is is that we're acting like an orphan okay we're acting like we're like fatherless and and, and all of these different things and we need to begin to shed 
those limiting beliefs that are attached to all these lies so we can begin to walk in sonship. So we can begin to be established in our royal identity. Okay. So I have, uh, I'm not forgiven and or I have committed the unforgivable sin is um, very detrimental to people's lives. Now, here's what I believe. Um, it's debatable, but that's okay. That Christ paid the price for all men to be forgiven, right? And that is God has offered forgiveness and peace to all. It is done. There's nothing more that God needs to do to forgive you on his side. It's forgiven, right? Now, whether we experience the reality of that forgiveness falls upon us. Now, whether we believe that we're forgiven or not, that affects our behavior, okay? But God's side is done, okay? He doesn't wait for you to say sorry to forgive you. The, 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 um, what he has done and he accomplished is already taking place, right? So he doesn't need to actively make a choice in the matter because the choice has already been made. Uh, what we need to do is understand and recognize that we are forgiven, that we are free, and that we are his uh, son, okay? And that will that belief, those empowering beliefs will pull us out of that mentality, okay? And believing that we are forgiven. Everything uh, that we have done has been forgiven. So the next one, God wants me to be happy or comfortable. Uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, last episode, so I'm not gonna stress too much here that uh, God is highly concerned with our character. Uh, he's concerned with the message. He's concerned with uh, pulling other people out of the pit and, and giving them a chance to live in freedom and to believe this gospel that we're talking about, the gospel that you are free and that you are responsible and that you are energized and empowered by the Spirit of God. This is the message that he wants to bring forth, okay? And somewhere along the lines, our comfort is not involved in that. I don't think it was very comfortable uh, when you look at the apostolic life uh, in the first uh, uh, century church. I don't see a lot of comfort taking place. I see a lot of imprisonment. I see a lot of beatings. I see a lot of martyrs. I see a lot of deaths. I see, I see all these different things. You know, if God was so concerned about our comfort, he definitely wouldn't allow anything of those things to happen, right? They wouldn't uh, have ended their life in martyrhood right they would have ended their life in the palace with all this pomp and all this you know glory and all this different things but we don't see that taking place so understanding that god is far more concerned with our character our growth and expansion our development than he is our comfort in fact this i know for a certainty that any area of my life is not going to grow and expand in the comfort zone and that is, it's just like a muscle, right? It has to be ripped. It has to grow. It has to expand. It has to do all these things. And all of that equals um, some sort of uh, stretching and, a, and, a, and some pain, right? A little bit of pain. And so knowing and understanding that is that if I want to grow and expand inside of those areas of my life, I'm going to have to be stretched. And stretching is uncomfortable, okay? And all of these things um, that we want are outside of the comfort zone, okay? And if we think that as God is concerned with, uh, you know, us being pampered and us being uh, comfortable, uh, we are going to get sidetracked by that limiting belief and we're not going to really grow and expand in the different areas of our life. 
God wants me to have my best life now. <laughs> now, this is a little facetious. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, about a book that uh, some famous uh, pastor put out there. But best life now. Now, when we think about that, we think of, uh, um, you know, men having uh, success, uh, have everything going their way, uh, having the house of their dreams, the car of their dreams, and just really uh, confident and powerful and having recognition and honor having the applause of men, that there's uh, uh, multiple people around you that are just speaking well of you, okay? This is what comes to our mind when we think of our best life now, okay? Unfortunately, that's just, you know, what men are drawn to. And so with this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it gospel, is that God becomes your genie and that he's just gonna ippity boppity boo everything into your life. This is quite appealing to a lot of people. And they believe it hook, line, and sinker. That God is going to manifest your dreams and your fantasies and that it's just going to fall into your lap, okay? And you're going to experience your best life now, right? And what I think about this, and I immediately think about this, is like John the Baptist and Peter. Uh, those are the two that come to mind. You know, I really don't think uh, John the Baptist, he was in the will of God. He was baptizing people. He was a forerunner for Christ. He was doing awesome and amazing things. He was walking in his mission, right? And was doing great things. Uh, and then ends up uh, beheaded, okay? They end up killing him, cutting off his head. <laughs> okay, and we see uh, Peter and Jesus going to Peter and saying, you know what? There's going to be a time when uh, men are going to take you where you do not want to go. Right. And he was paraphrasing this analogy that, you know, your whole life you begin to walk into to do this thing and do that thing. And you were in control and all these different things. But in the end, uh, you are going to be controlled and men are going to take you where you do not want to go, right? And that is uh, signifying his death, that he would die and that he would be martyred, right? So if God wanted uh, Peter to live his best life now, I, I imagine best life now as we see it, okay? That's important to say. As we see it, of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, right? That um, he wouldn't allow John to be beheaded. And he wouldn't allow Peter to be crucified upside down. I mean, that you know, like the best life now, right? And so we got to understand something inside of this. That best life now, an abundant life, is really about fulfillment. It's not about worldly success. It's not how. It's not about money. It's not about fame. And it's not about all these different things that men seek, right? This real abundant life is really about fulfillment on the inside. And we become most fulfilled that I have found inside of my life when we are making deposits. And that is deposits inside of relationships, deposits inside of our own life, building our mindset, belief system, um, other people into <clears throat> our businesses and all these different things. When we're holistically making deposits inside of our lives, we can sit back and say, you know what, I'm fulfilled. And I am satisfied because I am content because I have done my part inside of my life. But to think 
that all of these outcomes and all these different things and this big public ministry where you are in center stage and thousands are flocking to listen to your every word <laughs> like happens to very select few and not only that the sec select few who got to that say are usually sold out that means they're not sold out for god they've, they've sold out for something else right and it's a diluted gospel that tickles people's ears and tells them what they want to hear. All right, moving on. So limiting beliefs about money. Rich people have it all. Okay. And that puts us, of course, in the mindset that we have nothing, right? Um, and they have everything. Uh, they have all the talent. They have all the education. They have, uh, you know, everything in life that it takes to be successful. Now, what I want to point out in here is the illusion that really rich people have it all. And that is they may seem to have it all inside the worldly system of wealth, privilege, and education, and all of these things. They may seem to have it all. But the reality and what we know about fulfillment as they, they are unsatisfied, they are discontented, and they're not in any form of rest whatsoever now i'm not saying all but i'm just saying is in general the idea that rich people have it all what they really don't have is satisfaction contentment and fulfillment the stuff that i'm talking about here which equates to the abundant life and that is they may have the money the house and the cars uh and that is their relationships are falling apart uh they can't maintain a marriage uh they're in and out of relationships uh, the loneliness really begins to set in because once you get to that status, and I've seen it personally with uh, people in my own life who are considered, uh, you know, part of that squad, and that is most of their friends are paid for, and that is, you know, the people that are surrounding their life is because of their charisma, and the people, the friends that are in their life are, are there because of their hands out, right? And that is most of their, uh, they don't have any really authentic relationships, and, uh, and they're very lonely, okay? And so this idea that they have it all, and that if we just become like them, uh, we'll have it all too. And there's even marketing companies out there. It's like, well, we'll make you the man that has it all. And what that correlates to is that we will give you the house, the car, the wife, and you will have it all. And what it all comes down to is this uh, enticing to the appeal and the lust of men uh, to have money and to have power. And the reality is, is that those things will not make us happy. Okay, we can have that money and power, and our relationships can be falling apart. We can be spiritually dead. Our, our body can be falling apart from the stress and the anxiety and the panic attacks and all of these different things that are, are, are taking place inside of our lives, right? And so, in appearance, the rich may seem to have it all, um, but if they don't have a holistic frame where they're making deposits inside of their lives, what do they really have? Uh, we've seen this inside of so many stars that have committed suicide, that have overdosed, that have uh, 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 Aaron Hernandez, you know, seem to have it all on the Patriots and, and end up murdering, involved in another murder and, and all of these different things where we, 
where we look on the outside and we're like, wow, they haven't made, right? And the reality is, is that they really don't, okay? So it's important to really dis, uh, smash that belief about money. Money is not important to me. <laughs> uh, there's so many things, you know, in life um, that we can accomplish with money. And once we believe that it's a tool and it's to be used to glorify God and it's to be used to um, create investments and to create investments inside of my frame, that is, I use money as a tool to invest in family, faith, fitness, and finances, right? And I use it holistically to do that. Now, all of a sudden, money is a tool and it's not a God, okay? <clears throat> and I'm using it for the purpose in which it was created. And that is important. It's very important, okay? It's important to me that I take my resources and I invest, okay? And that is like uh, investing money, using that money to invest in different things, um, using that money to invest in you. Uh, actually, I got this phone because it has a, a good camera and I got this mic because it sounds good. It didn't sound so good so much anymore. I'm gonna have to invest in another mic, but I'm using the money uh, and making an investment uh, into my fulfillment and into my purpose. So it all comes down to uh, is whether money is important to not, is really what you're doing with it, okay? If you're using it to satisfy your flesh, and, and to bring you uh, more of the lust and things that you desire. If you're using it for ego and fulfillment to keep up with the Joneses for status, privileges and, and position and power and all of those things, if that's what uh, you're using it for, I can tell you it's going to be something very detrimental inside of your life. So it's important to uh, seek first the kingdom of God and have our priorities straight and understand that uh, money is a tool for investment into our fulfillment, okay? Money is the root of all evil. <laughs> How many times have we heard this statement? Uh, and we know that uh, uh, what was actually said was the love of money. Now, love comes down to cherish and it comes down to worship, okay? And what, it, uh, what the Bible was saying here is that when, when we bring money, priority, okay? And that is that I'm going to exalt money over my family, faith, fitness, right? And I'm going to exalt this one above them all. And I'm going to say that this one's more important than my wife. This one's more important than my kids. This is more important than my God. And this is more important than my physical health and all of these things. <coughs> and I'm just going to go all in with the love of money, right? And this is where the detriment comes in. This is where uh, we begin to inflict pain upon ourselves. Uh, you know, it's no wonder that CEOs, you know, after they leave their company, they die within five years, right? Of a heart attack or something. And the reason is because they've given like wholeheartedly their whole life and building this company and all the stress and the weight and the pressure and everything that they're doing, they become addicted to this whole thing, right? And uh, their marriages fall apart and all these different things because of the love of money. And that is they cherish and they worship, right? Uh, this eagle feeding uh, system that they have created. Uh, number four, I can't be rich and saved. <laughs> we have this belief system. Uh, Jesus spoke some words uh, about rich people and how it's hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
how do we take that to believe that it's not uh, it's not correlated together uh, and I find that to be a very detrimental thing because I personally believe in and I know what God wants to do in my life is that he wants to create me to be a good businessman and to create something uh, to create a business and that it would provide for me the freedom to do the things that I'm doing here today okay even right now at where the the condition in the place that I'm at now what I do now working from home allows me uh, time and situations to speak into men's lives and to do certain things right that would not be allowed if I didn't have if I had to go to a nine-to-five job uh, in, in in work for the man right so understanding this is that God wants uh, men, Christian men, to rise up in the entrepreneurial world and want to begin to make money uh, for the kingdom that is going to invest and in his agenda. God has an agenda, okay? God has a mission that he wants to accomplish. And having men to rise up in their authority and use their resources to accomplish that agenda uh, should not be looked down upon, Okay. And so I think that it's really important to really drop that uh, mindset. Lastly, in money is that you know I have to uh, I have to work hard, uh, extremely hard to get it, um, and that nothing good is going to come unless I work severely hard. Okay, and what I want to say about this is that you can work hard and be broke. Right? <laughs> There's so many people that are working hard that are broke. Right? You go into like the labor fields and uh, those who are sweeping and shoveling and doing all of these things. I can guarantee you they are working thousand times harder than you are sitting at a desk. Okay, And their hard work in any sense doesn't equate to any sort of uh, uh, any financial reward above those who are sitting at a desk. Right. So I think it's really important to get that out of your mind because that's what leads us to the imbalance, right? That we have to um, we have to sacrifice our lives and our time and all of this thing inside of our business and work until we work ourselves into the grave to be able to achieve anything great. And that's just not reality. In fact, the more balanced you get, the more holistic you get, the more present you are and the more you take advantage of time and opportunities to create the success that you want. So hard work doesn't always equate to um, the results that you're looking for. Let's go into health real quick and then we might uh, close there and come back. Health. I don't have the self-control necessary, right? Uh, this is a, a belief system that men have who love sweets, right? They love the chocolate. Uh, they don't like doing cardio, all of these different things. Somewhere along the line, they, they hook themselves into a lie that says, I don't have the self-control necessary to accomplish this. Now, once you begin to believe that you, don't, you are not equipped, you don't have what you need to be successful, uh, all attempts are over, really. So when we think about it this way, if you don't feel like you can accomplish something, um, you don't really go out and strive and endeavor to do it. Um, that's because you thoroughly believe that you don't have the talent, skills, and resources to do it. Why would you even try knowing that you're going to fail, right? And these are the conversations that go on once we believe that. So I don't have the soft control necessary. It's just a cop-out. 
uh, when we understand that we are free and not only free but responsible and that we can make any given choice at any given time okay and we can follow through with those choices uh, if we so choose to okay um, is the ultimate truth there that is truth with a capital T you do have the ability to do these things right now there's multiple reasons why you don't and there's multiple reasons why you talk yourself out of certain things right I remember when I was trying to quit drinking um, you know after you drink for a prolonged period of time when you stop drinking uh, you get like the shakes and and you know it, it feels very uncomfortable um, you get uh, sad and depressed um, you can't sleep for a prolonged period of time. There's there's these nasty effects that take place after prolonged drinking, um, and this happens with you know any form of addiction. Um, you know there are pleasure things that are going on inside of our brain. They're firing and they're working. Uh, there, you know there there's some pleasure responses going on inside of your brain, but then after you know you you decide to quit. Uh, those pleasure responses in those the chemicals and the everything it's not working uh, so great right it's not uh, firing on full capacity and what I mean by uh, what I want to explain through that is that there is going to be uh, we set ourselves up for excuses when we go man you know I don't want to quit drinking because I know I'm gonna get the shakes and I know that I'm not gonna be able to sleep for like three days and and I'm just going to have a depression and I'm going to be anxiety and all these different things that take place and we talk ourselves out of uh, really doing what it is that we can and should do because of the the pain that is going to happen um, by that choice right this happens with marijuana this happens with multiple different things um, where you're going to experience a lot of discomfort and, and and that's how we talk ourselves out of doing things so it's not that we don't have the self-control necessary it's actually <laughs> that we don't want to uh, because of certain negative uh, uh, consequences and uh, that are very limited in time now the ultimate benefit is what we need to be thinking about is like uh, uh, what is going to be the cause and the effect of this and this is what I had in my mind when I quit drinking I was thinking imagine the the entrepreneur I can become and the businessman I could become if I had clarity imagine the men that I could reach if I begin to have clarity up here and there was no fog okay and imagine my spiritual life and my connectedness if I can get out of the fog right and I had my mindset of, on all the benefits that I was going to achieve right my mind was instead on the jitters and the shakes and <clears throat> not being able to sleep and all of these different things my mind was set on the bigger things I think it's really important to do that so health I don't have enough time right this is one of uh, the lies that we tell ourselves uh, I don't have enough time to be healthy or sometimes it's like I don't have enough money to be healthy because for us we have a certain uh, system of what it means to be healthy and that is you know oh healthy foods expensive right I have to eat this organic or whatever and that's like twice as much eating healthy is expensive right and so we, we, we put that lie inside of our mind and say I can't be healthy because uh, it costs too much time I don't have enough time I can't be healthy because <clears throat> it costs too much money right and I can't be uh, uh, healthy because, and we just say whatever lie 
that we have accepted. You know, our bodies are not, and what God cares about is our soul. And, you know, He just wants us to be spiritual. And He's not concerned that we're morbidly obese and that we're one cheeseburger away from a heart attack, right? And we just tell ourselves these stories and these narratives. Now, oftentimes when it comes to health and men, uh, we have a tendency to put ourselves last. And self-care and taking care of ourselves and all of these different things uh, falls way down on the agenda list, right? And we're, we think you know, we're somehow being pious or somehow being spiritual or mad or whatever by taking care of everybody else first, right? And what begins to happen is we begin to put ourselves last and obviously it shows. It shows in our mindset, our determination, our purpose, and all of these different things, right? And what we end up settling for is cracking a beer after a hard day's work and, 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 and going into stupor and, and drinking ourselves into oblivion, right? And not understanding that our priority for ourselves needs to rise. And that there is nothing selfish about making sure that you are well taken care of, okay? In fact, your ability to take care of others is directly correlated to your ability to take care of yourself. And that is if you constantly put yourself last, okay, and that is you're not taking care of yourself, you're taking care of everybody else first, then you are going to be in the state of condition of falling apart and you're not going to be of any help to anybody else, okay? And, I, you know, it's really important to not put yourself last. If I have to be healthy, uh, I have to do it at the gym. I had this belief before, right? Um, that uh, healthiness equates to gym. And then we had COVID where all of our gyms were shut down, right? And, uh, you know, I went through that scenario and I'm like, oh my God, what do, what do I do now? Healthy, healthy equates with gym and there is no gym. I cannot be healthy, <laughs> right? And all of these are like limiting beliefs that keep us you know stuck in reality like think about these things do you really not have enough time do you really not have enough money do you really not have the self-control necessary uh, if you uh, want something bad enough and you create good enough reasons i can guarantee you you are going to pursue that think about this for a moment that if you had to lose 30 pounds in 30 days and you were going to give 10 million dollars for doing so all of a sudden your motivation would increase uh, based upon uh, your perception, right? Your desire would increase and all these different things because you knew the benefit at the other end of the line. Now this is a great benefit. I don't know anybody who could all of a sudden muster some self-control when $30 million is on the line, right? Woo, all of a sudden I got self-control. Woo, thank you Jesus, right? What we don't understand is that it's the motivation, it's the outcome, and really looking at that and experiencing the outcome. Now we know and understand this, that losing 30 pounds is not gonna get us $30 million. But what is it going to really get us to begin to list the benefits of all of these things, man? I've been on a quest lately because I've seen um, my, my weight according to my metabolic age and it said I was 47 years old man I'm 39 years old and that you know I just it's something that I cannot stand and so looking at that and, and just really letting the motivation seek in 
How confident am I going to be? How healthy am I going to feel? How much respect am I going to have for myself? And begin to magnify and to blow up um, these consequences for having self-control. And all of a sudden, you will find it. Okay? You will find it. Um, healthy food tastes nasty. Uh, this is a lie, man. <laughs> I think uh, asparagus, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, all those things, you know, it's just, uh, you know, amazing. It tastes wonderful. Uh, but we have it inside of this mind, you know, if we're used to cheeseburger sweets and all these different things, that healthy food tastes nasty, and that's just really a lie, right? We haven't acquired a taste for it, or we haven't allowed ourselves to change. And so all of these lies are meant to really sink inside of our mind about money, about God, about our health, and all of them lead to what I've talked about in the first episode, immobilization. All of these come to stop you. And that is every limiting belief that you have inside of your frame, family, faith, fitness, and finances, that is meant to immobilize you and to stop you from inaction. And it's meant to bring you to inactivity and that is there is a certain activity that is going to bring you results inside of these areas of your life. There's certain activity that if you begin to do, make investments in and deposits, it's going to bring awesome results inside of your life. And these lies are meant to make you inactive. And so look at every single area of your frame and really consider what lies am I holding on to? What am I telling myself uh, that is keeping me stuck uh, and keeping me from moving forward in this area and be willing to smash that. I want you to write down some of these lies in these narratives. And if you're not in a, a, a good relationship or if you're not in a relationship and you're single, uh, you're probably telling yourself some lies like it's over for me. I don't have the ability to do that. Nobody will like me and all of these different things. And you have all these lies stacked one upon another and they're keeping you lonely. Okay. Maybe it's your finances and you're constantly going to the payday loan place, right? And you have all of these belief systems that are, I can't make any more money. The economy is bad. I can't do nothing about this situation. And all of these lies are stacked up to the results that you are getting. Write those lies down because uh, uh, we are going to smash those things. And I'm going to show you how to do it. And this is really exciting stuff. All right, brothers. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.